Welcome to the Every Nation Taipei podcast. We're here to help you know God, discover your purpose, grow in your relationships, and make a difference in Taipei, Taiwan, and beyond. We hope this message encourages you today. All right, now we're starting in a new series, and this series is on Advent. So it was interesting uh, when we we chose the 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 topic Advent because a lot of churches just preach through this Advent series because we're in a season that we, that we call Advent. But as they, we're trying to translate into Chinese for our Chinese congregation, they're saying uh, we, we don't have this word. <laughs> you know, so what does this mean? And I can't find it, and and we can't find it in the Bible either. And I think yeah, it's not in the Bible. So we're gonna preach something that's not in the Bible, um, but it is biblical. In other words, it's all in the scripture because all it is really Advent uh, is just uh, it's taken from the Greek word, uh, Latin word Adventus, which just means coming or arriving, and it's all about just Jesus coming, his first coming two thousand years ago, and then his future coming, his second coming uh, in some future date. Uh, we don't know what date that actually is, but we do know that we are closer to that date than any generation before us. Uh, so praise God. Um, we don't spend a lot of time trying to predict the date. Uh, everybody who's predicted the date before us has missed it. So we just think, you know, we're probably not smarter than them. We'll just let God figure the time out. In the meantime, we'll just follow Him because if we're following and getting closer to Him, uh, we won't. He's not going to let us miss the date. Um, and so our thing is, let let's just get closer to God. And let's just walk with him. And the closer our hearts are to his, uh, then we'll be sure that things will always work out because our Father will take care of us. Amen? Amen. So Advent is all about this, um, the, the coming of Christ, the, the, the promises of, of Christ to come uh, 2,000 years ago and his promise to come again in the future. And so Advent is where we prepare our hearts number one, to celebrate what God has already done. Promises already fulfilled, by, by which God has demonstrated His character, that He is uh, a promise-fulfilling God. And then also looking at the promises not yet fulfilled, to stir our hearts and to rise up in faith uh, for the promises yet to be fulfilled. In particular, the coming of Christ. But it really applies to all of our lives. And for all of us who have promises that we have not yet seen fulfilled, we want to look back and say, so what, what are the promises that God has fulfilled and how does that give us confidence for the promises that God will fulfill? And how do we live in that in-between time between the promises God has already fulfilled and the promises that he will fulfill? Because most of Christianity is a journey in the in-between time. And that time can be very difficult. That time can be full of disappointment. That time often has things that we would consider disasters that come into our lives in between the promises. And this is what Advent is for. Advent is, is about journeying in the in-between times. And so we're going to, there's, there's four different themes. Advent actually covers the four Sundays uh, uh, before Christmas. And so this year, Advent is actually the latest that it will ever be in the calendar because the fourth Sunday happens on Christmas Eve. And then we go all the way back to, to the beginning. Um, and so today, we're starting our Advent season. And there are four themes uh, in, in, in historical Christianity that were celebrated in Advent because there are four things that Jesus brings through his first coming and are meant to sustain us until his second coming. And those four themes are hope, peace, 
joy, and love. And so today we're going to tackle hope. All right, so the, the, the part that hope plays in our lives. All right, there you go. It's beautiful graphics, actually. Um, my good buddy, Mark. <laughs> we, have to have, we, we need to get a title for Mark, Chief of Staff, Head Guru, something like that. Um, but Mark runs kind of everything. So, um, but his wife, Anne, is an, a brilliant artist, and she actually made these graphics. Uh, and so after she made the graphics, we just thought, we should just preach on that, uh, something like that. Anyway, um, so we're looking at hope. Uh, when we look at the first coming of Christ and how that was a promise that had yet to be fulfilled. So when we look at the first coming, is promised in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, 700 years before Jesus came. The, the prophet Isaiah said, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them, light, uh, on them has light shone. And so Isaiah, 700 years, he's saying, there's going to come a light. And it's gonna, but it's going to come into a time of deep darkness. And so Advent speaks not only of the coming, but also of the, the circumstances in which God comes. And God loves to come in the midst of our difficult times. And what's, what the, the promise of Advent is, the purpose of Advent is to bring us courage and encouragement in the times of disappointment and difficulty. How many of you have ever, even after you became a Christian, uh, met with times of disappointment or difficulty? Anybody? And how many of you have, after you became a Christian, everything was just smooth sailing? No more problems. You know, God helps us in everything. Um, I, I wish that were true. But somehow, both throughout Scripture and, and in the lives of all the Christians I know and in my own personal life, I find that I, I come to God and God meets me in wonderful ways. And I fall in love with Him. I get so excited about serving Him. And I start hearing all these wonderful promises of God. And then, and, and then that in-between time comes. And I hit disappointments. And I hit difficulties. And these are the times when I need to remember the promises of God. I, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And this is a sign. Sometimes we don't always recognize when God comes and arrives in our lives. Sometimes God comes in, in hidden ways. Sometimes actually it's disappointment that leads us to God's placement. I know for my wife and I, you know, as we were planning, it was we were praying about coming to Asia and coming to Taiwan and seeking God, should we come or not? And and then COVID hit, and then we we're in New York City, and and uh, you know, just uh, all kinds of upheaval there. Um, and it, we we're already in motion uh, towards coming here. But I have to say that all the all the upheaval and COVID and uh, all those things made it a lot easier to leave, because uh, New York, as as we knew it, you know, we lived right by Times Square, and it was. It's just a, always just a, a mad scramble, and my wife loved that mad scramble. And there's always just light, bright, bright lights, big city. We're kind of right in the middle of that, and 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 we just love just meeting so many people from all around the world, kind of like our church here. Uh, but there's always activity and always people passing through, and and um, and we love that. 
but then when everything went, when the city went empty, uh, and then then they had just all the different kinds of protests and things going on back in 2020, um, it just made it a little easier to leave. And so somehow, you know, sometimes disappointment in our lives and, and conflict and turmoil in our lives is actually part of God helping us to find release or helping to, to give us direction of where to go next. And so in this Advent time, God says, here's a little sign. A virgin's going to get pregnant. She's going to conceive. Something that's never been seen before. It's just a little sign. Now, not many people saw it. In fact, the vast majority of people totally missed the sign. But for those who were looking for it, and to the few that God revealed it, they, they saw that sign and it began to set in motion God's purposes in our lives. And it's interesting as, as when Jesus came as a little baby with the angels singing and the light in the darkness, very few saw it. But when Jesus was crucified, death, really disaster came. All of a sudden, everybody saw it. Everybody saw the, the, the hand of God and the purposes of God. But even then, they did not recognize it until Jesus rose again and began to appear to hundreds of people. And then the word began to spread. But it wasn't until Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and began to preach and say, let me tell you, let me give you an interpretation of all that's just happened that people began to, be, to understand. And so that's true in, in your life and mine. That's part of why we come to church is because we all are experiencing life and things happen in all of our lives, but we need the Word of God to begin to shine on our circumstances to show us God's purposes in our circumstances. That's also why we have our small groups because sometimes just the preaching alone is not enough. Sometimes you need to ask questions. You need to get in and say, okay, so the Word of God says this and my life experience is this and how do the two come together? And that's really what, what small groups do. We get together and we start talking about, okay, how do we apply the Word of God to our lives? And so if you're not in a connect group, I want to encourage you to, to get into a connect group because that's actually where like real life happens and where we begin to see God's purposes. And that's what encourages us in that Advent time, in the in-between the times of, of God's promises coming and His promises being fulfilled. When we, we struggle with disappointment and delay and, and disaster and death in our lives. It's that fellowship and saying, now, now here's, here's the Word of God that you need to hold on to. Here's the thing that will encourage you in that time. Okay? So that's, that's Advent. Little signs. So we have the first coming, and then we have the second coming of Christ that is promised. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus said this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, what I, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. See, this is Jesus' promise. And the same way that Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came, he promised the Messiah is coming and he'll bring light into the darkness. And now Jesus does the same thing. He says, hey, you know, don't be sad. I'm going to go, but I'm coming again. And this is the promise that now we hold on to. 
Just like the children of Israel had to hold on to the promise that the Messiah would come, we now have to hold on to the promise that the Messiah will come again and visit a second time. What I love about God is that He never just gives us a promise without giving us first a, a, an experience, a fulfilled promise to build our trust and our hope and our faith upon. And so when the children of Israel were promised a Messiah, they had already seen God save them in so many different ways. From people like Joseph from Bible characters like, like Moses, from people like Noah. They had all this long history of God showing himself to be a savior in their lives. And then he promised and said, but there's coming an even greater Messiah. We look back and we see Jesus first coming. Jesus, the man of history who came, lived and walked this earth, died a death on the cross and rose from the dead. And so our, our, our faith in, and our hope in Jesus' promise to come back again is not just an empty promise based on our thoughts and desires. It's based on Jesus' practice of already fulfilling promises. You know, they have that, uh, if you've ever done investment in stocks, or, you know, they always say, you know, past performance is not uh, indicative of, of uh, what is what's the word you say, future performance or results right? They have that standard line they always got to give you because they know we may have made money in the past, but we might not make money in the future, right? But invest anyway. Um, but Jesus says, actually, past performance is the guarantee of future promise being fulfilled. Because God's promises are certain in our lives. What's not certain is our ability to hold on until God's promise comes. And that's what we want to help you with today, is how, how do we hold on to the promise until it is fulfilled? Because that's the difficulty. All of us have promises in our lives that come from God, dreams that God has given us, purposes, destinies that we already have begun to, to feel and to see in our lives and the desire in our lives. And, and, and usually when God starts to, be, to plant these desires uh, in our lives, uh, we, we start to become aware of them and start to recognize them in our lives. And sometimes we think it's our own thoughts. And sometimes there are our own thoughts and desires. What we want to do is sift through those things and say, which ones of the desires in my lives are part of God's promise and purpose for my life? And those are the ones we want to hold on to, the promises of God in our lives, the purposes for which He created us. But how do we hold on to those purposes? How do we hold on to those promises? And that's really what Advent is about. These four themes are the four things that God has given us to carry us and sustain us through the in-between time. And the first of these, of course, is, is hope. And the hope that we have, if we look in Revelation, Jesus' other promise, he says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And this is God's promise to all of us. That the day will come when all pain, all sorrow, will be wiped away. And it's something that we all yearn for, desire. We, ha we have a desire in our heart for that. And that's so often indicative of God's promise. So our desires, as we follow God, begin to align with His promises in our lives. But how do we get to that place where we see the promise fulfilled? God's past performances 
are always a confirmation and indicative of our future results. So we're going to look at this first, the first of, of the, the Advent themes, which is hope. And today we want to look at the power of hope. How, what is the power of hope in our lives? Uh, Romans chapter 15, verses 12 through 13. This is Paul quoting Isaiah, and, and, and he says this, And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. And so Jesse was the father of King David, uh, who, was, uh, who, who Jesus was said about Jesus that he's the son of David. He was from the line of David. And so Jesus is actually the root of Jesse, but also the fruit of Jesse. So Jesse looking at as being David's father, this is just a, a, a biblical way and the, the way those, those, the writers would write. To, instead of saying Jesus, they say, well, Jesus is not only is he the the ancestor is, is Jesse's ancestor, but he's also Jesse's ancestor. So actually, Jesse sprung out of Jesus because Jesus was God from the foundations of the world. And that's the beauty of, of the gospel, is that Jesus existed before he came to earth. And he was the one who actually was uh, the, the progenitor or, or the creator of, the, of the, the redemption plan by which you and I are saved. So Jesus had planned all along to come to earth as the son of David and to lay down his life for you and I. And so when, when God gives these promises that on the side was, come, was to come, Jesus had already made that plan, had already set it in motion from before Adam and Eve or even placed on earth. Jesus had already had that redemption plan in motion. And so that's why the Israelites could be very sure that the Messiah would come. And you and I can be very sure that Jesus will come again. Because his plan was written before we were ever born. God's plan for you and I in our eternity. And so we have a very solid promise from God. It's kind of like if you're investing in a stock and the stock had already put away the billion dollars that you're going to earn by the stock going up and say, we've already actually put that in an account for you. But now we'll just watch the, how the stock goes up and down. And, and, but it's already actually set aside for you in the same way that Jesus, even before we were born, he was already the Messiah slain for our sins. So every promise of God, when God makes a promise, he's already made the provision for that promise before he ever makes the promise. It's not like the stock market. It's like a bank account that we can just draw from that's already there. And so that is money in the bank. Jesus coming again. And that's what our hope is, is resting upon. It says, this, let's look to the, verse, the next verse, verse 13. It says, may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And so what does hope bring us? Hope brings us joy. Hope brings us peace. Our current definition of hope is like wishful thinking. It's like optimism. We're hoping that our circumstances, we really have a, a belief that our circumstances will change. But biblical hope is based on the character of God. And who he is. 
And that never changes. So we don't have to wait for anything to change. Our hope is solid and secure because it's based on who God is and who God is has been the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we have a sure hope. It's a confident hope. It's a guaranteed hope because God does not change. Again, it's a hope in, a, in money that's already in the bank. It's not an optimism that our stock's going to perform well. We have a hope that our stock will perform well and we're going to make money. We're hoping that, you know, I have a hope in my Bitcoin that is going to keep on going up and not going to be, you know, some fraud guy in there. That's the difference between optimism and, uh, and hope the way that we define it now and hope the way that bi the Bible defines it. And so when we have that kind of hope, then there's a joy and a peace that is the product of that because we are confident in the promises of God. And if you had a good mom and dad who kept their word, then you start to learn to trust promises. If your mom and dad raised you and were always just good with their word, they said, hey, we're going to go out to eat, then we went out to eat. If they said, you're going to get a new car for Christmas, you got a new car. Then when they start to make promises, if that's the track record of your, of, of your father, you start to trust his words. And there's a confident expectation when he says, hey, we're all going to take a vacation together. There's a hope and it's a confident expectation that God is making that promise because he already bought the tickets. He's already set aside the vacation time and everything is set. And see, that's the kind of promises that God makes for us. And that's why we can have a joy. There's an anticipation that we have, not in, 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 in optimism, not in, in positive mental belief, but in the surety of God's promise that he's already made a provision. And that's where our peace is. We have a peace that God will come through with his promise because of who he is. And that's what helps us through the times of disappointment. But it only does that when we, number one, know the promise of God, and number two, know the character of God. Because if we don't know God's promises, then again, it just becomes wishful thinking. Well, I hope. I hope that something good happens. But true hope is based on God's promise and on God's character. And we don't know the trustworthiness of God. We've not spent time with Him. We've not gotten to know Him then it's hard for us to have that hope. But when we know Him and we know His promises, then joy and peace start to fill our lives. Optimism, see, is, is, is based on circumstance. But true hope is based on a person. Hope has a name. And His name is Jesus. And our hope is in Him. And He's the one who made a promise that He would come to earth and die for our sins before we were even born, he made that promise. And he's already fulfilled that promise. He's made another promise that he will come again. And we can be sure that he will fulfill that promise. But in the in-between time, he says, I will walk with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I will give you the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit who walks with us can fill us if we tune into the Holy Spirit. If we'll listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, we'll start to recognize how the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the Word of God and in prayer. That He reminds us of those promises. And in the times when the circumstances look like disaster and disappointment, our joy comes not from our circumstance, our peace comes not from our circumstance, but in the sure hope of God's promises and His character as the one who always keeps His promises.
And that's the difference. You know, when we look back through the scripture, this is always the path that God took his people on. One of the most stark examples is the children of Israel when they were coming out of Egypt to the, the promised land, going through the wilderness. And circumstance after circumstance was just disappointment and disaster and running out of water and then having the, the, the greatest army in the world trying to kill you and then coming up against a, a, an ocean and a, a sea and a river that you know blocked your way and then running out of food and then just being in a barren place um, and, and, and all these different disasters and disappointments that kept facing them. And throughout that time, they kept just voicing disappointment with God, grumbling and complaining. Instead of looking at the promise of God and remembering all the amazing things that God had done throughout their history, uh, throughout their history and the promises that God had kept time and time again, they focused more on the circumstances and that caused them to lose hope. And the Bible says because of that, actually a whole generation lost their lives in the wilderness and didn't see the promise fulfilled. And it says they didn't lose their lives because of lack of water. They didn't die because of lack of food. These are the things, God brought us out here to die. We're, we're, we're going to die of thirst. We're going to die of no food. But none of them died of lack of thirst or lack of food. What they died of, the Bible says, is grumbling and complaining. And that'll kill your soul no matter what your circumstance. Because I don't care how good your circumstances are. When you lose hope, you can always find indications of, of looming disaster. You can always find reasons to be depressed and disappointed. You ever seen someone who just it feels like they, it looks like they have everything, but they're just down in the dumps all the time and they're grumpy all the time? Why? Because they, they've lived in that place of grumbling and complaining rather than the place of hope, of joy and peace. The Bible goes on to say this in, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. See, hope not only brings joy and peace, but it renews our strength. And it helps us to, to, to walk well. And it helps us walk through the difficult times. Make it through the disappointment. I, I, I love this there's another story in Nehemiah when they were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem that had been torn down. And for 72 years, they had been trying to rebuild the walls. And every time that they would start to get them partially rebuilt, the enemy would come in through the, the gaps in the wall, defeat them, and tear it all down again. And so for 72 years, the cycle of trying to re rebuild the walls so that the city would be safe and, and being disappointed, disaster, death, time and time again. Then Nehemiah said, he heard about it, and he just said, this has to change. He started to pray. And, and, and in, in 52 days, 52 days, they did what people had failed to accomplish in 72 years. They rebuilt the wall. And one of the things that they did was when, when they gathered together and they started to, to read the word of God after the, the temple was rebuilt, and the people began to, to just weep because they said, oh, we have failed God. We have failed all of his promises. We've disobeyed all of the commands. There's just, you know, judgment coming upon us. We're, we have, we're, we're just disasters headed our way because we have failed God again and again and again. 
But what the priest said was, hey, no, 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 no. The promises of God are not here to condemn you. They're here to encourage you because they're going to lead you from disaster to life. See, we are so often look at the promises of God and we look at the rules of God and, and we look at them with the eyes of condemnation and disaster and depression and grumbling and complaining and we just say, I failed here, I failed there, I messed up here, I messed up there. Just, con you know, condemnation, judgment's going to come on me, disaster is coming. But God said instead that they said, no, 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 this is not a time for, to, for weeping. You go your way. You, you, this is time for rejoicing. Eat the fatty foods. Drink the sweet drinks. And I love that. You know, you know, scientists now say that when you eat fat, high fat foods with high fat content and, and, and sweet foods, it actually begins to, to raise your dopamine levels, which is great. Because dopamine actually helps you to focus and it motivates you. And it, 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 it starts to push out depression and bring in encouragement. And so what is God saying? He's saying, do some practical things to raise your dopamine levels. Because that's going to help you more to obey the promises of God than all the condemnation in the world. And that's why church is meant to be a place of encouragement. If we who have the God of the universe living inside of us and on our side, if we can't be encouraged, who has any hope? Who can be encouraged? We should be the ones who can laugh in the face of disaster because we have God on our side. But it's only when we trust the, and know the promises of God and the character of God. And that is our source of hope. And that is the source of our joy and our peace and our strength. And that's what takes us through the disastrous times in between the promises. Because there always will be disappointment. I'm sorry to say this, but it's a promise of Jesus. In this world, you will have tribulation. Amen. That's going to be our next church t-shirt. <laughs> Jesus said, you'll have trouble. <laughs> Not you are trouble. You'll have trouble. That's church. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. We are to be people who have joy and peace and strength and encouragement. We're, we're to be people who, 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 you know, hug a neck because that encourage one another. The Bible says, greet each other with a holy kiss. We, we do more of the, you know, or if you're from where I'm from, Hawaii, we, we do greet with a, a kiss on the cheek kind of thing. Or if you're from Europe, you do the cheek kiss. But, but it could be a hug. But there's something about that human contact, contact that releases oxytocin, which another is, you know, just makes you happier and makes you love people more and get along better. People with a lot of oxytocin overlook other people's faults and look for the good in other people. And so God gives us all these practical things to go along with his promises. Eat a lot of fatty food, Lurofan, right? <laughs> Drink the sweet. I don't know. It seems like Taiwanese desserts are not that sweet. Um, except for snow ice. I love the snow ice. You know, the mango, it's good. Um, go your way. Eat snow ice with fresh mango. Be sure to pour a lot of condensed milk on top. This is God's command. You know? <laughs> It's in the word, Nehemiah chapter 8, go your way, eat the fat. And if anybody's abstaining, send some to them. Okay. All right. Um, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says this. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, 
a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. The behind the curtain just means into that place in the presence of God. And it's what Jesus did after he was crucified. The Bible says he rose rose and he ascended into the presence of the Father. And he went there ahead of us as a promise that that's where you and I are headed. And so the disciples just saw him go up. And it's what gave them hope and strength for when they faced death. Because all except John died a martyr's death. But they boldly embraced that death. Why? Because they, they saw Jesus go ahead. And they said, he went, so I know where I'm going. God is going to come to you. It doesn't matter if you face disappointment, disaster, death. God will meet you in that place. He will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death is his promise. So I care that you walk through difficult times. We as a church, we mourn with those that mourn and we care. But on the other side, we, there's that phrase, I don't care. It doesn't mean our hearts don't care. But what it does mean is that your present circumstance is not a reflection of God's future performance. God's future performance is based on his past performance. And he rose from the dead. And he came the first time. He's going to come the second time. He's going to walk with you through your difficulty and your disappointment. We're going to close with communion. Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to read the, it's a little different passage that we normally go to. It says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this root of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. As we partake of communion, there's a promise that we will eat again. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the mountain of olives. And then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And so what did Jesus say? There's a promise in the communion. But despite those promises, Jesus said, you're going to face tough times. You're going to walk through times of disappointment. He said, every single one of you, you have those moments when you deny me. And all of us will have those times when we doubt Jesus. But he says, Hold on to the promise. I'm coming back. Meet me in Galilee. And we can meet Jesus at the cross. We can meet him at the throne. The Bible says because of Jesus' death, anytime we can come before him, we can approach the throne of grace for help in time of need at any time. So would you stand with me? Jesus took the bread. He broke it and blessed it. He said, this is my body 
broken for you. Do this as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. And so we remember the first coming to give us hope and anticipation of the second coming when we'll eat the bread again. So Father, we thank you for the power of the broken body through which we are made whole. And God, as we partake of the bread today, I pray, Lord God, that fresh hope would come in for those, Lord God, who are broken in their bodies, broken in relationships, uh, Lord God, broken in their emotions. Uh, Father, that, that knowing that healing will come, restoration will come, because by your stripes, we are healed. So bless the bread in Jesus' name. Let's partake. Scripture says that in the same way he took the cup. And he said, this, this blood is, is my promise. This cup is my promise that through, the, through my shed blood, you'll be forgiven of your sins. And so, Jesus, we thank you for the shed blood of Christ that washes away our sins. And that no matter, Lord God, how far we've been from you because of the cross, you make us worthy. Lord, that none of us are worthy to partake of you, your body or your blood. But it's only because of your, your shed blood on the cross that we are made righteous. Forgive us of our sins. Give us a new heart as you promised in your new covenant. A heart that knows you, loves you, that will recognize you're walking with us through the moments of disappointment, through the moments of discouragement, through the moments of disaster and death that, Lord, you walk with us. Give us a heart that will recognize your love for us, your presence with us through all we walk through. So we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Bless it now as you partake. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the surety of your promises that are based, Lord God, on your unchanging character as one who always keeps his word that even when we are unfaithful, you are still faithful. And God, I pray that in this Advent season, you would renew our hearts with hope and peace and joy and love, that you would teach us how to take hold of a hope based on your enduring promises. That not only will you come again, but you walk with us through every circumstance. God, I pray for each one here today, those facing moments of disappointment, of discouragement, of depression, of disaster, even death in their lives, God. We pronounce life over them because you speak life over us. Your words are life. God, may you give us ears to hear as, you're, as you promised. Ears to hear the voice of the shepherd. To hear the words that are life to us. God, may the, may, may the words of your scripture come alive in us these days so we thank you for that now in Jesus name amen amen let's give God a hand for his great promises thank you for listening we pray this message spoke to you and built your faith for more messages like this visit our website at everynationtaipei.com you can also send a prayer request and reach out to us anytime. God bless you. Till next time.